This is First Farragut United Methodist Church's podcast. Thanks for joining us. Today, we begin a new worship series to help us realize that the new beginning Jesus brings to our life is often a process, not an event. Sometimes our path is confusing or frightening. While we may experience difficulties and obstacles along the way, remember that God is always with us. And now, here's Martha with our message. The scripture this morning is from Matthew 2, 1 through 12. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent, from, then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there, when, when they had heard the king, they set out. And there ahead of them went the star that went that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We've officially made it to January, January 2nd to be exact. Tis the season for New Year's resolutions. Lose weight, start exercising, spend less time on social media, more time with family, friends, uh, quit smoking, quit drinking, on and on it may go. Does anybody have a New Year's resolution you want to share with us that you have? That was a perfect setup for what I'm about to say. (laughs) Because I think the reality is most of us have given up on New Year's resolutions. I think most of us have figured out that that a whole bunch of effort in a few days and life is suddenly going to change is just not really true because it's a process, as is following Jesus. So New Year's resolutions are kind of by the wayside these days, but new beginnings, on the other hand, I think many of us would like to have a new beginning in some aspect or area of our life. A new beginning requires a conscious decision. A conscious decision to make a change. 
It requires also a commitment. Sometimes new beginnings come to us not of our own doing, a job change, um, a move dictated maybe by a job change, a health change. Sometimes new beginnings are just forced upon us. Sometimes they require a conscious decision. Even when they are forced upon us, we have to make some changes. We have just wrapped up the season of Advent, and we used the idea of a breakthrough that God broke through in the coming of Jesus. Those four weeks of Advent, we're we're looking forward to God doing something new. And then when God broke through, the new thing came. Too often we celebrate the birth of Jesus, and then we go on as life as usual. But the birth of Jesus was such a world-altering event that here we are 2,000 years or so later, and we're still talking about it. Even religions who don't claim Jesus as God in the flesh or Jesus as Messiah, even religions who don't recognize that still recognize the impact that this man named Jesus had on the world. His coming signaled a new beginning. And so today we're beginning a new series entitled, if you haven't guessed it already, New Beginnings. And we're going to look at some of the earliest stories of Jesus that we have in the Bible. We don't have very many of him as a child. We have the one that that we just read with the the wise men coming to see him. We have another story of, of when Jesus was probably around 12 years old. But as far as him being a child in his growing up years, we don't have those stories. Those of you with teenagers probably know why those stories are omitted from the Bible. We'll just leave that at that. But we do have several stories leading up to the beginning, at least, of Jesus's earthly ministry. So for the next five weeks, we're going to try to put those together. They come from all different, all all four of the Gospels. We're going to try to piece those together and sort of overlay those stories to see what happened in the beginning after Jesus's first coming to see how he changed things. Because if God was doing a new thing, then it, excuse me, that it required the people, yeah, we may have a long sermon. If God was doing a new thing, then it required the people of the ancient world to change their understanding a little bit too. Their understanding of how God works had to change because Jesus was doing something different. We typically celebrate Epiphany on January 6th, as I said a few moments ago, An epiphany actually means a revelation, a revealing of God's character. When Jesus came, God was revealing God's self in this person called Jesus. We typically celebrate epiphany by looking at the story of the wise men. So who were these wise men? Well, over the centuries, the story of the wise men has been embellished and romanticized just a little bit. We have eventually called them kings. We three kings of Orient are. Y'all recognize that verse? Well, the Orient part is probably correct because they came from a region of the world that we call Asia these days. So that's, there's some truth to that. They weren't kings. And they did not show up on the night that Jesus was born in this beautiful manger scene with Jesus and the holy family and the shepherds and the animals and then these lavishly dressed kings. They probably didn't show up on that day. So our nativity sets, sorry to burst your bubble, are a little off base. Most scholars believe they probably showed up about two years late. 
later, I should say. And they weren't wise men or kings. They were astrologers. They were astronomers. They were people who spent their time studying the heavens, the stars, the planets, looking for uh, patterns or anomalies of some sort. We don't know exactly what they saw, but they saw something in the sky that signaled them to believe something had changed. Now, over the years, we've speculated that maybe what they saw was what we now call Halley's Comet these days. Or maybe they saw a, a somewhat rare alignment of the planets of Jupiter and Saturn that makes, makes a large star appear in the sky. We don't know exactly what they saw, but they saw something. And in the ancient world, births of kings or nobility was often assumed to be signaled by stars or anomalies in the heavens. So something happened. Something had taken place to lead them to believe that a new king of the Jews had been born. So they go off to honor this new king. Now let's get all the jokes aside about the wise men. I'm sure you guys know the one that if God had sent wise women, they would have asked directions, shown up on time, made a casserole, delivered the baby, and there'd be peace on earth. Ha ha, that's what we always say about the wise men. Well, Guess what? The wise men did ask for directions, which proves, gentlemen, that wise men ask for directions. You're welcome, ladies. You're welcome. So where do you go when a king is born? Where do you go to visit the king? You go to the palace, the castle. You go to the place where the existing king, daddy king, lives, right? So that's exactly what they did. They went to Jerusalem, which supposedly was where a king of the Jews would be born. And they arrive and they visit the current king, whose name is King Herod. Now he was not really, didn't have a whole lot of power. He was more or less a king in name only. He had wealth, don't, don't mistake that, but he was more or less a king in name only. But King Herod himself is a bit perplexed. Because King Herod knows that King Herod has not had a baby. And so he's wondering, who is this king that they're talking about? So they call in the chief priest, the Jewish chief priest, who would be the ones who would know this answer. The, Jewish, the chief priests pull out the Old Testament scriptures, the scrolls of the prophets, and they read an excerpt of what we just read from Matthew was from one of those prophets, the prophet Micah that tells them that the king of the Jews will be born in a town called Bethlehem. So the King Herod says, Bethlehem is over here. You guys go to Bethlehem. Go see this baby king. And when you find him, let me know so that I can go and pay honor and homage to him also. So see, they did ask for directions. And off they went. But what happens in Bethlehem stayed in Bethlehem. So finally they arrive, our scripture tells us, they arrived and they were filled with joy. Who wouldn't be after you traveled for two years looking for something? They were filled with joy. They found what they were looking for, but they did not find what they expected. There was no baby residing in the halls of a royal palace. There were no servants tending to every need of this tiny little baby, no pomp and circumstance at all. Just a simple child 
in a simple house with his simple peasant parents. By all outward appearances, this defied all the social norms. What they found was a king who had humble beginnings, a normal child, no wealth, no power, but one who by all outward appearances appeared to be just a normal person that would grow up and go through life, the ups and downs, just like all of us. Nothing spectacular whatsoever. Yet their first response was joy and worship. They experienced something so powerful in Jesus that all their preconceived notions fell away. We don't know what it was, but something. They experienced something. And having been warned in a dream, as we're told, they did not return to Herod. They left for home by another road. I am convinced that there are two types of people in this world, mostly two types of drivers. There are those who take the same route to school, to work, to church every day. They know when they're going to turn. They don't even have to think about it. They take the same route every day, even when there's another option. And then there are those people who think, ah, I'll go this way today. I'll go that way tomorrow. Those of you adventurous types. It probably won't surprise you, but in my type A, slightly OCD personality, I find the shortest, most direct, most efficient route, and I do not veer from it. So much so that even if I know I'm supposed to go somewhere else, a breakfast meeting, a lunch meeting, I will still turn left out of my neighborhood, turn right off that street as if I'm coming to the church. And it's often after I've already gone on autopilot that I realize, oh, I went the wrong way, and I have to turn around. When we take the same route all the time, we are on what we tend to call autopilot. Doesn't require thought. Doesn't require knowing or asking, do I have enough gas to go this way? Doesn't require even asking how long is it going to take us to get to a certain place. We just do it without thought. But to take a different route, to go a different way, requires a conscious decision to change directions. We have to think about where we're going. We have to think about when we need to turn. We might need to stop and get gas. If you're like me, your gas light's already on anyway. To take a different direction requires thought, intentionality, a change. We don't know what these wise men encountered but they encountered something that changed them. Having encountered Jesus, they had two choices. Would they return to normal? Would they do what they were supposed to do, what was expected of them by the king, and go back the way they came? Or would they take the risk following this new thing that God was doing, even if they didn't know where it would lead? I came across a quote several years ago. I can't remember where I got it, so I can't give credit to somebody, but it's not me. I do know that much. 
The quote is, if your religion isn't changing you, then you need to change your religion. If Jesus isn't changing you, then you need to change the way you look at Jesus. The challenge for all of us as we begin yet another calendar year is will we go back to life as usual or will we allow the miraculous power of Jesus to lead us in a new beginning? The story of the wise men shows us that disciples, when we say disciples, we're talking about followers of Jesus, people who claim belief in Jesus and to follow Jesus. A disciple is not just those 12 people reserved for the Bible. A disciple is anyone who claims to believe and follow Jesus. What we see in the story of the wise men is that disciples seek Jesus even when they don't know where it will lead. And to do that requires a conscious decision and a commitment to travel another road. Which is where the resolutions come into play. But since we don't do resolutions, we're going to call them commitments. That's almost as ugly as a word to us, isn't it? But it does require a conscious commitment to make a change. So I have two resolutions, commitments, challenges, whatever you want to call them, to toss out to you as we start talking about a new beginning. Commitment number one, make a conscious decision to be engaged in worship eight weeks in a row. Now, I know some of you are thinking, yes, she just gave me most of the year off. No, I didn't. Baby steps. Small steps over time lead to big changes. Make a conscious decision to be engaged in worship eight weeks in a row. Now, I know you're thinking, I might get sick. That's true. That's why we have uh, the technology to offer worship online. And some of us are not... Um, comfortable yet coming back into in-person worship, and that's okay. That's where we are as a society. The reality is a lot of us have just simply gotten out of the habit over the pandemic. I mean no condemnation in that. It's just the reality of the situation that we're in. But worship forms and shapes us. Think about where you spend all of your time. We talked about this briefly back in the fall. If the only time you reserve for God is on Sunday morning and all the other stuff that you have in your life, what's going to shape and form you the most? Where you spend your time. Worship matters. It reminds us that we are a part of God's story. It roots us, it grounds us. And gathering in a community of faith shapes and changes who we are. So make a prayerful commitment, eight consecutive weeks, and then we'll talk when those eight weeks are over. The next commitment, if you haven't already heard, we are encouraging and challenging and inviting all of us to get involved in a Bible reading option. There are two options. You'll actually find them listed in your worship folder. They are on our website, social media, e-newsletter, and just about every outlet you could possibly imagine. Because God's story, the Bible, is our story also. And if you want to get to know Jesus, reading books about Jesus, 
That's a help. But why not read the Bible that has the stories of Jesus? So we're encouraging you to get started or deepen a Bible reading habit. Now, some of you already have that habit, and that's wonderful. But not everybody is ready to bite off reading through the entire Bible. That is one of the options, and it is through Holston. Our bishop has actually put this together for us, reads several chapters a day of different books of the Bible. You can find information about that in here and on our website. But there's also another one, a Bible Gateway app is what I call probably the more doable. It has a Psalm reading, an Old Testament reading, and a New Testament reading. And guess what? If you don't actually want to read the words, hook that phone up to your Bluetooth and guess what it does? It reads to you. So in case you haven't figured it out, you don't have any excuses. And in fact, Paige, our our family ministries director has um, put together a plan also that takes portions of those reading plans that parents can read with their children. We want us to do this together because only when we find ourselves in God's story will we realize how it shapes who we are. And I know it's daunting. Don't worry. We are going to help you through it. If you have not already signed up for our newsletter or follow us on uh, social media, there will be some tools out there to help you through this. And if you stop, if you miss a few days, guess what? Pick it right back up. We have a saying in yoga that if you fall down, what happens when you fall down in yoga? You get right back up. Same thing with this. But these are two commitments, two ways. There are many, and we'll talk about more over the next several weeks, but these are two things that we can begin to do right now to take another road. What's the definition of insanity, John? You know how many times I've heard John say that? That's why. Sorry, I put you on the spot, John. Definition of insanity. Do the same thing over and over and expect a different result. Doesn't work that way. We have to make a conscious decision to allow the Holy Spirit to work within us. If we take a small step, God meets us and takes us the rest of the way. Small steps over time lead to big changes. And disciples who seek to follow Jesus do so even when they don't know where it will lead. But we do that because as we get to know Jesus, we learn that we can trust him more and more and more. So I invite you to accept the challenge to have a new beginning. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.
Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us again next week for Pastor Martha's message, Baptized into a New Life, as we continue with our New Beginnings worship series. Baptism involves water, a symbol of cleansing and rebirth of new life, a new beginning. What new beginnings do you long for? See you then.